0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. talk a little bit about the book. So, Baruch Hashem, um, it went into art school. We sent it in. So, we're, we're putting it together. They're editing it. And um, I'm really excited because it's really going to be... I'm very excited about my other book, but this is like this is like halacha. Like, that's Hashgoth for the other book. You know, this is halacha. Like, there's laws about give it of aim. Not everyone's gonna like this book. But you got you gotta know the laws. Then you, you gotta keep them, whatever it is. So um, if you wanna be part of it again, I'll tell you again. Hold on, Pan gave me a whole thing. I got some Isa. I gotta look at it. By the way, we started selling last week. Wednesday night it was the first time I spoke about it. We're up to page 80. We're up to 80 pages. We sold 80 pages. Well Hashem. We have only 300 and, 358 pages altogether to sell. Once a page is taken, like last yesterday, like at twelve o'clock, I was in the I was in the office and someone called. They want Yom Kippur. That's a cool date to get, right? Yeah. So, Yom Kippur. So, okay, you got Yom Kippur. Twenty minutes later, next phone call: Is Yom Kippur available? I'm like, nope. You can get every Yom Kippur, but you can't get Yom Kippur. Alright, let's see what Pam sent me here. Message. Not so easy in these nice, very smartphones that I have. They're not so smart. They're pretty smart. Okay, Pam wrote like this. 79 pages sold. And if you're interested in buying a page, it's lo'o'el and Every time we print this book, it stays the same. So this is the and And what's the, what's the, um, reward for, what's the reward for of You're going to live long in this world and in the next world. It's pretty cool. The only other mitzvah that talks about is shloch hakan. Shloch hakan actually is not so easy to do because you have to find the bird and the nest and the eggs. Kivit of Whether your parents are alive or chas they're not alive. You still have the mitzvah of e'el. It doesn't change. So she wrote me like this. What did she write me? She wrote me. So we sold 79 pages. If you want to buy a page, it's at info at ornava.com. Ornava, spelled A-O-H-R-N-A-A-V-A dot com. Or 917, say it slowly. 444-7555. 917-444-7555. Or... Our NAVA's number, which is O-H-R-N-A-A-V, 718-647-6228, extension 200. And we have girls in the office from about 5 o'clock till about 10 o'clock. And then there's a special Hakar Sato phone. That's the 917-444 number. If you call it, go straight to Pam. And, uh, once your name's in there, it's there. You want to pay it out. You can't pay it right away. Whatever it is. Main thing is to get your name in there. And we're going to give these to schools. So it's going to be like a, like a textbook. All right. So I'm just randomly picking something out of the book. Randomly. Lesson number eight. We're going to start with a lesson. Okay? And it's called, Must I Wear a Sweater? Okay. So the quote is, it's a chesed to put one's parent at ease. It's a chesed to put your parent at ease. So if they tell you, please call me, and they don't know who you are, call them. Just that they hear you and they know that you're okay. Does a son have to obey his father when he tells him to go to sleep? Or his mother when she tells him to put a sweater on before going outside? The Chuvas maharik. So Ramah in Yeridea, that's halacha, right? that there is no obligation to please one's parents by obeying their instructions when they have no direct benefit from it. In other words, if your parent is a big chiddush, your parent's not getting a benefit from it, like your parent says, you should drink some water. But you're drinking the water, they're not getting a benefit from it. He Paskins that you don't have to obey them if they have no direct way. Such instructions do not fall in the category of covered. To ignore them does not constitute a transgression of... So some of these things you're going to find in this book are going to be good for you. You'll be like, oh, I don't have to do that. And then some of them are going to be like, oh, oh man, I have to do that going to go both ways. Every page, is going to go, you're going to go both ways. But that's, that's those are luchas, okay? So, you're not, ignore, if you ignore them, by, not ignore them, but you're not drinking the water, then that doesn't constitute a transgression of moral of a aim, a commandment that we should do anything disrespectful to our parents. However, there is no question that it is a chesed to put one's parent at ease, and doing so might also be a fulfillment of kibut of aim. The rush is of the opinion that to ignore a parent's instruction in such situation is a transgression. So there's a machlaikas between the tshuvas Ma'arik, it's very lumnish this book. It's not just a, a reading book. So we have a machleikis, we have an argument. From the tshuvas Ma'arik says, your parents tell you to drink water, and you're like, nah, I'm not thirsty. Sort of so you didn't do anything wrong because it's not affecting them. But the rush argues. And the rush says you are doing something wrong. And you're doing a transgression of Sefer Hamikna rules that to ignore a parent's request is a transgression of moral aim. The Gomorrah states. The reason that the Torah writes, Ish, Imov tiro regarding the mitzvah of Mora of teaches that a woman is not always at liberty to fill this mitzvah because her first responsibility is to her husband. So if your mom says or your dad says, I need, a, I need a glass of water right now, and your husband says, I need a glass of water right now, your husband wins. no? <laughs> you would say. One second. My husband has to listen to them. So if my husband has to listen to them and my husband's telling me something and, my, and, and and they're telling me something, of course I have to listen to them. No, the luck is your husband comes first. This seems puzzling at first glance. There's a lot of girls here that are not happy about this, what I just said. What do you mean my husband comes before my father? My father's much nicer to me than my husband. He's always been there for me. It's Dad, it's Tati, it's Abba. I'm not going to listen to my husband first. My father needs a glass of water. Nope. This seems puzzling at first glance. If the mitzvah of mora is only passive, meaning that one should not do anything disrespectful of his appearance, then why should a woman not be able to fulfill the mitzvah at all times, even when her husband says, give me first? Sefer so the answers that included in the mitzvah of mora of the aim is that we must obey our parents' instruction, even when they will not benefit that way from its fulfillment. If a father or mother instructs a son to do something that is for the son's benefit and the son disobeys, then it is equivalent to contradiction. Of a father's word. Given all the above, it is advisable for a child to obey his parents' request in certain, in such circumstances. A yeshiva, you would say, give a hundred percent. But not always is the husband nice. Halacha is not emotional. It's not emotional. A yeshiva student asked the Parvat Cherasheva Rav Shach the following question. My father has ordered me to quit smoking. Aha. Uh-huh. Cigarettes. I find it extremely difficult to quit. Am I obligated to listen to my father in such a situation? Okay, the guy's already addicted. He's smoking. His father says, you can't smoke. you got to stop smoking. After all, it is not like he's asked me to bring him a drink or a snack. Whether or not I smoke has no effect on him directly. Must I obey him in such a case? Okay, this is what he asked Rav Shach. Anyone would have good answers? Rav Shach replied... I will not get involved in the halachic aspect of your question. There is something else that you must know. I used to smoke. Aha, Rav Shach. I quit when I needed to undergo surgery. And the doctors warned me that if I wanted to be healthy, I would have to quit smoking. I do not exaggerate when I say that giving up smoking was more difficult than the surgery. It's Rav Shach talking. Okay? He's saying that giving up the smoking was harder than the surgery. I do not exaggerate when I say that giving up smoking was more difficult than surgery. And I am telling you that even if giving up smoking is 1,000 times more difficult for you than for me, you must quit. I am not discussing the halacha. This is about hakar satov. The gratitude that a child owes to his parents demands that you honor your father's request that you quit smoking. It's not from a dinner of kibbutz of aim, it's a dinner from hakar satov. Your father brought you up, he brought you to this world, he brought you everything, and he's asking you to stop smoking is you have to listen to him. Alright, so this is just a little tidbit. This is one lesson out of 358. Wow, it's going to be an amazing book. Okay, Pashas Chukas. This week's Pashas Pashas Chukas talks about the red heifer, the red cow, the paraduma. I heard in Lakewood there is one. I'm not sure if it's still there. There was a, some kind of a farmer who had a red a red cow that only had no, had no white or black hairs on it. it. says in the times of Mashiach there'll be a paraduma. But then I heard about it and then it disappeared. So I don't know if they're hiding it. No, I don't know if they're hiding it and they don't want to talk about it. Or I don't know. But it disappeared. It happened last year. We heard about it and people saw it and then we haven't seen it since then. So I don't know. All right. Now, so the Torah says the following: Zoyschukas this is the decree of the Torah. Chayk is a mitzvah that we do not understand. We don't understand the reason. This is the this is the chayk of the Torah. What is this chayk? You should take a red cow, a she'aim by woman that has no blemish, a shalayil all that never had a yoke on it, and you 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 burn the the cow, and the ashes you mix with water, and you sprinkle the water on a person who's tameh, and the person who's tameh becomes pure, and the kain who's pure becomes tameh. That's what happens. Okay. Says Rashi, of all the chukim in the Torah, zoyes chukas Why did they pick the red he- the, 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 the cow? It says that when you put your shoes on, you should put your you should put your right shoe on first, and then your left shoe. What is the reason you're supposed to put your right shoe on first? I have no idea. It's a chayk. The right side is stronger. Whatever. There was a lot of mitzvahs that we just don't understand. Right? So if you're going to pick a mitzvah in the Torah that we don't understand, why did you pick the mitzvah of the Paraduma? This is what bothers Rashi. Why this mitzvah? There's 613 mitzvahs you could have picked. So Rashi says, Why? Because the Satan, the devil, and the non-Jewish nations bother the Jews they bother us. Lema saying, What is this red heifer, cow, ashes, sprinkling? It sounds like a sounds like serving idols, sprinkling water. Baptism, they sprinkle water. Like, we're, what, what is this? You guys are Jews, right? Okay, so, therefore, That's why this is the Chayk that the Torah picked. Says Rashi, Hashem says, G'zaira himalafanai. It's G'zaira. You're not allowed to think about this. You're not allowed to think about this mitzvah. Hashem says, G'zaira. I don't want Wallerstein thinking about it. I don't want any girls thinking about it. Could you get Ruth a glass of water, a cup of water? Um, I don't want anyone to think about this mitzvah paraduma. So the question is like this. Of all the girls that are in this room, of all the people that are watching, did the Yetzirah ever bother you about the Paraduma? sneers, not talking to boys, everything the H.R. comes to tell you to bother you about. Did you ever sit home at night also, and all of a sudden you had this thought, what's up with the red cow? It's not what? It's not? It's not? It's kind of right, so like, it doesn't bother you about it. Right, so, so what is Rashi saying over here? The Torah is forever, like for us also. So like, what are you saying here? And... I deal with non-Jews in business all the time, and their number, what's their number one question to me? Number one question. Why do you wear that? They all ask me the same question. Why do you wear that hat on your head? Anyone here know why? Why do you wear, you know, yarmulke is not in the Torah, say you have to wear in the Torah. Because when you have something on your head, you realize there's something above you. So you have a kippah, you always think there's someone above you. How come girls don't have to do that? Girls cover their hair because here, it attracts men. It has nothing to do with kippah. How come all of you don't have to wear a kippah? You ever think about that? How come I have to wear one you don't have to wear one? I'm saying this for 20 years since our Nava opened because you are much holier than we are. And we are creatures, men are creatures of gaiva, of being big shots. So God has to remind us, hey Amen. Uh, I'm above you. Like, right, relax. Girls are not big shots, most of them. So girls don't have to wear a yarmulke to remember Hashem. They remember Hashem. Why? That's why you say Shosani sono, And I can't say that. We talk about this all the time. So you don't have to wear a yarmulke. Me? Everywhere I go, anytime I sit down, why do you guys wear that? Then they ask, um, Shabbos is number two. Like, what's the deal that you can't flip out a light? That's not really, like, really work. But the number one question is the yarmulke. Shabbos. You can't take a bone out of fish. What is that? What's that all about? Mikvah, taras and mishbacha. No guy in 41 years of business ever asked me, you know, I was reading the Bible. What's with the red cow? So what's this Rashi talking about? Thank you. But that's not what Rashi says. Rashi says, I'm telling you this mitzvah because... Goyim and the Satan are going to bother you and say, "What's up with this cow?" And it seems to be bothering Hashem a lot, because Hashem is saying, "There's no." It doesn't say. In the, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you cannot think about the mitzvot. Tzitzis, tefillin, sneers, Shabbos, shatness, anything. You're to think about. It. You're supposed to think about every mitzvah. Gzeira milafani. I, I, I should have said, I'm like J-roll? You're not allowed to think about the cow. Why not? What's going to happen if I think about a red cow? So you're absolutely right. What's weird? What's different about this mitzvah than any other mitzvah? Very good. What does a mitzvah always cause? To go up, elevation. Over here, it's the mitzvah is causing the kohen, he's tahar, he's pure, to become tamay. So he's doing a mitzvah, and, logically, if I can make you clean and pure, how could I become impure? If I'm impure, how can I make you pure? So If I can, if I can give you half a glass of water, I have to have water. So if I'm making, I'm the kohen, and I'm making this guy pure, how can you make me impure by me making him pure? It doesn't make logical sense. So what's Hashem? Why why can't I think about this? Because this is the number one question that the Satan bothers every girl and every guy in Klaisro, and And the guy in us to this day and that is Tzadik Viraloi. The good guy gets punished. And the bad guy gets rewarded. The good guy is the Kohen. He becomes Tomei. The bad guy is the guy who's Tomei. He becomes Tahar. And it's Tzadik Viraloi and Roshav And everybody bothers us about that. If you're the chosen nation, it seems to be you were chosen by God to be annihilated because no other nation lost 6 million people in in a Holocaust. So what do you mean, Rabbi, that you guys are the chosen nation? One temple destroyed, another temple destroyed, Crusades, Spanish Requisition, you guys are hated everywhere, there's so much anti-Semitism. What kind of chosen nation are you? And look at all these good people that have cancer, and the best girls in the school who are 45 and not married, and this couple who keeps tarot and mishpacha and sneers and have no children. And it seems to be that good people in this world are not getting rewarded, and bad people are getting rewarded. And that's the paraduma. And therefore, yes, Rashi is 100% true, and she's 100% right. It's the symbolism of the paraduma. And the symbolism of the paraduma, the satsang that's going to buy, look, you're such a good girl, you're doing everything you're supposed to, and you're still single and that other girl who did everything wrong, who, phew, what she did, she's got three kids already. She's way ahead of you. And you're like, I don't hop. So Hashem says, it's Xaira in front of me. You can't think about this. It bothered my Shembeinu. He's a lot bigger than us. He says, I don't understand. So they were all like, Hashem said, I can't answer that. You have to see every Gilgal, every Tukin, you have to see the sense of the world. I'm not pulling apart the whole world and destroying it to show you, why you what you want to know, the perception of what you want to know. This is what Rashi was saying over here. There's also something else going on here. The what? You need the paradum because we're all Tameh. We're all Tameh. So we have a lot of paradumas. But the paradum is a symbol of the coming of Mashiach. There's something else going on here. What else is going on here, which we don't want to think about because there's a different answer, second answer. We don't want to think about it because we don't want to bring it up to Hashem. Is the avera that Klai Yisrael did, and maybe I don't want to say avera that Aaron did, but he was part of the whole situation, was done with what? Was done with an agel. An agel is a calf, it's a young cow. The paraduma Duma is mechaper, forgives Klai Yisrael and Aaron a Cohen f- f- for the Aegel. The mother dies for the Egel, for the child. And the eagle is the baby, and the and the para is the cow, is the mother. So the para is mechaper for the Egel. But if you think about it, you bring up the whole story of the Egel. Hashem says, don't bring up the whole story of the eagle. It's not good for us. So Jerem and I don't think about too much about the Egel and the para and the para is mechaper on the Egel. It's not, it's not a good subject. It's not good to go there. We don't talk about the Egel. So you shouldn't think about that too much. But the main thing here is, which is such an important lesson, and that is, we, we, we think it's bad. Um, we, don't, we don't know the Cheshbon. We don't know the Cheshbon. This week, Shabbos, I'm not learning it here for a specific reason, but I give a share in Kabbalah Yasha on Shabbos. And we learned about Gul And very deep on Gul And it's very scary. It's very scary. And there's a lot of stuff. So why do I have to go through to fix something that happened last time? But it's all you. It's all a mixture of you. So you have to fix what happened last time. So there's a lot of things that we don't understand. There's a lot of things that we don't understand. So Hashem said, don't think about it. It's not something you have the brains to have the conception to understand why Hashem does what He does. And therefore you can't think about it. That's the part I do in the beginning of Pasha's Chulkas. I want to go into another subject. It's very important for everybody. So Claiasrael, we're gonna learn a little bit about Aaron's death. Very beautiful story between the older brother, between Aaron and Moshe. But before we get to Aaron's death, when Aaron died, so the clouds, Miriam's chus was that the, there was a, a well of water going with Clyusrel. Aaron's chus was that there were clouds around Christ that were protecting them. When he died, the clouds went away. When the clouds went away, the Jewish nation panicked because they were attacked by, by the Canaanites. I want to read you to what happened. By Adamo Kim and the nation... Erev Rav spoke bad about God, Uba Moshe, and about Moshe. Lama Heli Shunim this is Perit Kof Aleph, Pasuk Lama Heli Shunim midbar. why did you take us out of Mitzrayim to kill us in the Midbar? They're always saying this story. Ki-ein Lechem, there's no bread. The ein Mayim, because Miriam died, there's no water. The Nakshenu, Kotzebulechem HaKloi-Kleil. And this bread that you give us, this man, we're sick and tired of it. Talk about Kofi Hashem said, really? So they were talking about Shinara. So, Hashem, anach Hashem, Hashem sent thousands of snakes. And the snakes bit the people. And many Jews died from the snake bite. Anyone here can think about why specifically snakes? Why didn't Hashem send lions? Because what? So what does it do with it? So why? It's not Rashi. Yavai Nachash, a snake came. Why? Shaloka al-Haita'as Diba we free him. might see because the snake spoke lashon hara. The snake spoke lashon hara and told Chava, Hashem only he told you not to eat from the tree because He doesn't want you to be like Him. So the snake was punished by the tree; he lost his legs, and he eats the dirt because he spoke lashon hara. So now that Klai was speaking lashon hara, Yavai Nochosh, the snake came and bit everybody because that was his avera, mida mida. So people started dying. So right away when things go bad, what do you do? You run to Moshe Abeinu, Yahweh Shem, Mayama Katanu. We sinned, Kidibano Hashem, we spoke bad about God, Ubach, and we spoke bad about you. Hispal Hashem, please Davant Hashem. But Yasumelakash, get rid of the snakes. You did that for the Mithriam. You davanta Hashem, you get rid of the frogs, you get rid of the lice, you get rid of the Oro. So do it for us. And what does Moshe do? Why Hispal Moishabada um Mashabed for us. What happened when Moshe Ben Daven when when the Mitzvah were having the Maka? What happened? The Maka went away. The Maka went away. Not here. That's not what happened here. Moshe HaBadu Daven to Hashem and he said, you have to save the Jews. Hashem didn't make all the snakes go away. No. Hashem said the following. And it's very important to understand Why? Make a figure of a snake. And make it out of copper. And put him on a stick. On a pole. Put a snake, a copper snake, on top of a pole. And anyone who got bitten, already got bitten, look at the snake, the copper snake, you'll live. Okay? Moshe made a Copper snake. He put him on the top of the snake. He would look at this copper snake and he would live. What is going on here? Hashem has to, you have to make a copper snake. Say Hashem, I forgive them. Snakes to buy, Everyone's healed. You have to make a copper snake. And not only that, later on, by the destruction of the base of Middash, the Goyim said that the Jews serve idols. They have a copper snake. They bow down to so it wasn't a good thing. Why did Hashem do what he did for the Mitzvah? Why did Hashem just make it go away and make them be healed? You'll see in two Pashas from now, Parshah's Balak, there were 24,000 Jews that died in a plague. The plague stopped and that was it. What, no, Hashem never did the snake business. Copper snake. Anyone here know why copper, not silver or gold? Whoever's watching, I'd like you to give me the answer. How come he made a copper snake, not a gold snake, or a silver snake? Okay, what about silver? What's the shewish of the word nekoshes? Nechosh. Ah. Copper snake, because the word nekoshes has the word nechosh in it. Why do you think Hashem did this? Why didn't Hashem just heal them and take away the snakes? Huh? Why did they need that? It didn't, didn't remind. the. They didn't took a big frog on a stick and put it up, and the and the frog stopped. So this is a very. This is the most important part of my whole lesson tonight. We all go through trauma, and and I'm, I'm not being indifferent. I'm not being cold. I'm being real. Okay. Including me. Everybody goes through trauma. Everyone has gone through trauma. It's not always physical trauma, and it's not always sexual trauma, and it's not always emotional trauma. It's There are traumas in our life of someone dying that you prayed for, that was close to you, of going into something, a, a big investment, and it collapsing and losing your business. And having no food and not knowing how to pay your bills. It's traumatizing. It's stressful. Everybody has trauma. It's part of life. Life goes like this. If it goes like this, you're dead. It goes like this. A good day, a bad day, a good day, half a day, bad day. Hope, not so much hope, whatever. Stuff happens. You can face it. You can face it. And overcome it. Or you can succumb to it. It's not always your choice. Hashem said, even after He told Moshe Rabbeinu to daven, it doesn't say they stopped biting the Jews. It's not what the Torah says. The Torah said, "Tell them if they get bit." I didn't say not getting bitten anymore. The Torah didn't say, "Okay, no more." That if they get bit, they should look up at the snake. Says Rashi. Says the Mufarshan, what's up with looking up at the snake? No, um, no, that, that was the lesson. But what, looking up the snake? Just the opposite. The snake just bit them. The last thing I want to look at is my abuser. Heh, <laughs> just got bitten by a dog. I'm not hanging out with dogs. I got bitten by a dog. You tell me, okay, now go to the dog pen and look at the dogs. Even though it's the best thing you can do. When someone's drowning in a pool, what do you do? When you come out, you throw them back in. When someone was in a car crash... They make you start driving right away again because otherwise you'll never drive again. Face the adversary. What Chazal was saying over here is, you're going to get bit by a snake, but you need to know something. We all get bit by a snake. Everyone gets bit by a snake. But above, and this is what the Chazal were said, Above the snake, the copper snake was on a stick. It wasn't on a table or on the floor. Look up. So when you look up, you see past the snake. And what's past the snake, the sky? And who's in the sky? Hashem. And when you remember that Hashem is above the snake that bit you, and that everything has a purpose, and there's a reason for tzadik viraulah, you will heal. So it was a lesson. It wasn't just like, okay, you dive in by, the frogs go back in the Nile River and have a good day. No. Hashem was teaching us. Now, a lot of people are going to say, listen, don't tell me if I got abused that I should start davening to Hashem. Like, come on. Like, Rabbi, you, 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 understand what I, you understand what I went through? Yes. And it's up to you to do whatever you want. But a lot of people have gone through a lot of pain and they're very close to Hashem and they march on. And they march on. I went to a Shiva where, where a woman lost, where a woman lost a child and she was giving chizik to all the people that were there. And I was like, come on. And yeah, she was. She was like, I had a matana Hashem gave me. Imagine if Hashem gave me something special. And he took it back a week later, but he let me have that something special for a week. It's amazing. I was sitting there like, come on. You got to get real. She was real. People who are very close to Hashem have a different outlook in life. It's just the way it is. Can everyone be able to do that? I can't tell you yes. And those who do not get listen, we went through a Holocaust. There are people who came out of that Holocaust stronger in a Amuno than anybody. And there were people in that Holocaust who said, "Hashem, how could have you turned your head from us? I'm out of here." And there's no one to judge any any Jew that has that went through the Holocaust is sitting in the highest place in the world. They went to Gehenna. Where are they going to put him in Shemaim? Gehenna. Gehenna is nothing compared to the Holocaust. So, so we can't judge them there's no judgment they're all tzaddikim but there are those who came out stronger and built Klai and we're all here today because they're the ones that, that, that came out stronger there was one that used to speak here he was amazing he went through I don't know how many concentration camps and I said to him aren't you angry at Hashem? he said no six million died and I didn't must be God had a reason for me to make it. I'm not going to walk away from him after I'm one out of six million that made it. I'm going to walk away from him. And then this other lady says, like, she lost everything. And she's like, the biggest chizik I have is I counted up my, the numbers on my hand in Auschwitz and it equaled 18 Hi, And I realized that I'm going to make it through the war. I'm like, you counted the numbers on your arm in Auschwitz. And that's what gave her a chizik. Can everyone do that? I don't know. Everyone could do it, but can you really do that? It's very hard. But people who have Hashem in their life, even though they got bit by a snake and they have poison in their veins, and they're dying. These people were dying. And Hashem said, listen to me. It's not the snake that kills you. A very famous story about a, a Tana that was davening and there was a, he stepped on a snake hole and the snake bit him. And the snake died. And they asked him, the snake died. You're supposed to die. And he said, It's not the snake that kills you. It's the sin. And if you don't do sins, the snake can't kill you. We're going to learn this inside. and we going read you an unbelievable mamlai on this. Yeah. So, so, you know, Ray Wallstein, you're prehistoric, you're from a cave, but listen, I'm real. And the bottom line is, if you have God, if you have God, and no matter what you're going through, when you look up, He's there. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. The telling you here. I'm not telling you you're not gonna get bitten. I'm not telling you there's no snakes that are not gonna bite you. You're gonna get bitten. And you're gonna go through trauma. And you're gonna go through stuff. Cause everyone does. But Moshe the snake that bit him, teach them they could look at the snake that bit them as long as I'm above that snake, they'll be healed. Yeah, it's a pussy. It's not me. It's not, it's not my Torah. You're still getting bitten. Hashem didn't say, okay, Moshe, you you're not getting bitten anymore. You look up and you'll live. What does Rashi say here? Okay, Rashi says the whole thing. Since it's called a snake, I'm going to, I'm going to make it out of copper. My lawyer says, "How did it work? How did it work? How did it work with the snake?" He says, "By looking up in Tashlu, if you're going to ask, this year Anochash Mamis is this. Let me, I'll tell you where it's from, base? It's from a Gemara. I should know that. Gemara Brachas, Perek HaRoya, Nundaled, and a Yalkut Shimoni, Pasha B'Shalach. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, does a snake kill you or let you live? Ela As long as Klaeser was looking up at shamayim, and we're asking for for pity, because the nokhosh was on the stick, and then their hearts turned to Hashem to give them rakhmah, and they saw the snake that Moshe Abednego commanded them to make. He didn't make it on his own. So he says even better. He says, when he looked up, and he saw the sky, he said, I didn't have. So he did shuma. And he asked for Rachman, when a person asked Rachman Hashem made a miracle because they were bitten by these snakes. And they were and they were and they were healed. So he says it was a double naze. Because the chachme Rufua, the doctors say Sha'adam that a person who gets bitten the worst thing he can do is to look at the thing that bit him. So that's gonna kill him. He says that if you if a Kel Shaita, a dog that has rabies, bites you, in if you're gonna look into water, Raya club and you're gonna see a lot of dogs in the water, and you're gonna get scared, you're gonna die. So the Gemara says, Shaita, a person who is bitten by a, a wild dog, a wild animal. He's not allowed to drink water in a vessel that he will see reflection in the vessel because he's gonna see a dog and he's gonna kill him. He's gonna kill him. That's what happens with the wild dog. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta face your adversaries. You gotta you gotta face your ghosts. It's not easy. you gotta face your stuff. You gotta be able to sit at night and, and say like, what did I do today? What, did I make someone smile today? Did I do a mitzvah today? Did I help my mother today? Did I do something good today? And if you didn't, don't get all depressed, sit on the floor, start crying. Say, okay, tomorrow mitzvah shem, I'm gonna write this down, and what I didn't do today, and I'm gonna have a checklist tomorrow, I'm gonna make one person smile. And maybe that person will be me. Good enough. Make yourself smile. It's also mitzvah. The mitzvah of is a mitzvah in the Torah to live. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to live to be happy. To make yourself smile it's also a mitzvah. to I'm talking about it on Tisha to should love your friend like yourself. If you don't, if, imagine you hate yourself. Then the Torah is telling you to hate everyone. I should love my I should love my friend as much as I love myself. And if I hate myself, that means I should hate them. So the first person you need to get a, a, a relationship with is you. That's the hardest person in the world to have a relationship with. You know why? Because no one knows you better than you. So you'll go to a therapist and you'll fool her. <laughs> she thinks she knows me. But I didn't tell her the other half of the story. You're fooling the whole world. She you can't fool yourself. Because you know you exactly. You know what you did. You don't need someone to tell. People are like, well, you, know, you were a I'm like, why? Can you tell me what I did wrong when I was younger? I'm like... You know what you did wrong when you need me to tell you what you did wrong for. People came to Rabbi Gamliel. I was there when this girl came to Rabbi Gamliel. I brought her for a bracha. She says, Rabbi, do you read palms? My rabbi, she asked my rabbi if he reads palms. So he says, why do you want me to read your palm? She said, I heard that on your palm you can see what your gilgal was last time you were here. Was I a man or a girl or like what was I, what did I look like when I was here last time? He says, when you figure out why you're here this time, we'll talk about last time. You have to spend time with yourself if you want to grow. It's scary. It's good. I do it all the time. So so you're not the perfect person, okay? So you make mistakes. How are you going to fix them if you don't know? So we're very busy. Facebook and Snap and WhatsApp, and I have to see. She. Oh, look at me! I'm peeling potatoes! And now, look at my baby. Hey, look, say hello, baby, to everyone. And all you sugar and women are running around out there watching other people's lives all day long. All day long. Follow her. Follow her. Nobody has, like, follow the Torah. How come you don't have that on your Instagram? Follow the Torah. No. Follow Miriam. Follow the Shetomachah. Follow the dietitian All day long, you're ding, ding, ding. That thing rings. You're following everybody. Everybody fine. But yourself? You're not following at all. Maybe you should take your smartphone, because it's so smart, and follow yourself the whole day. And then at night, watch what you did all day. Watch how much time you wasted following other people. You'll be watching yourself, watching other people. You'll realize you're a Meshugana. You'll be like, what am I doing? Oh, look at my baby. Your first step. Some some girl, what does she have to do with you? Right? Look, I'm frying potato pancakes. As you got, I got 3,000 followers watching me make pancakes. Because they're not carbs. They're not carbs. So, watch me make pancakes that are not carbs. Now at that night, you're going to watch yourself, watching everyone else, and you're going to think you're a now. Because you don't watch yourself. Everyone's scared, scared of themselves, scared to know what they're doing. You can't grow. You can't grow by watching everyone else. You become a nobody. You become a follower. And how does someone have 10,000 followers? Because nobody is busy following themselves. Nobody's busy leading. Everybody's following. What are you following? Do me a favor. Do this tomorrow. You're going to fall off your bed tomorrow night laughing. Watch yourself. Watch everyone else. Film yourself. Take two phones. Film yourself watching everything that you're watching. Yeshiva world, yeshiva, not world, not such a yeshiva world, right? All the other things you're watching, and at night you're going to watch 12 hours of how you spent your day. And let me know how it goes next week. You're going to fall off your bed. You're going to be like, "Who is that silly girl watching everybody else and wasting their time when they could help their mother? They can make an old person smile. They can make a little child smile. They could tutor a little child. They could do a lot of different things. They could pick up some garbage in the street and make New York a little bit cleaner." They could daven to Hashem, they could spend two minutes davening to Hashem and connecting to Hashem, and then maybe if you got bit by a snake, you'll be able to handle it because you'll be looking the snake in the face, but above that snake you're looking at, there's Hashem. Think about all the trauma you went through in your life, and you have a big kindness to Hashem, how would you let me go through that trauma? I cannot answer that question. That's the first Rashi in this week's Parsha. I cannot tell you it's Adiclar alloy, right? Everyone is good people and they do good things and everybody has suffers and I'm not here to answer why. Because I don't know why. Because I'm not God. I don't want to be God. It's a tough job. When everyone's doing well, they take credit for it. And anything when in the minute something happens, it's like, why God, why'd you do that to me? When someone dies, everyone's like, God, why are you killing people? When kids are born, no one says, Hashem, why are you why are you bringing these little cutie kids into the world? They're so cute. Nobody ever asks that. Nobody ever says that. Nobody says, why Hashem? Why are you so good? Why was today a beautiful day and the sun was shining and there were flowers and birds and, 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 and I had a great dinner tonight and I, I could taste it difference between cold and warm. And God, this, this invention you made that water, when it goes under 32 it becomes an ice cube, that is sick. That is amazing. This is amazing. It was 90 degrees outside today and you made this miracle that water, when it's under 32, I got ice in my cup and I got warm water and I pour it in and it becomes cold. So if I want warm water, no ice. I want cold water, ice. I want hot water, put it on the fire. Whatever I want, I can have. Whoever said that to Hashem, why are you so good? Nah. Who wants God's job? When things are bad, God, how did you do this to me? Things are good. I did it. I, I, I made all the money. I'm, I'm, I'm artistic. So we need to spend a little bit more time. This week's Parsha is so powerful. This snake. And you know how powerful it is, everyone? Anybody here in the medical world? Anyone sitting here? So if you're in the medical world, they wear white coats, right? On the white coat, there's an emblem for doctors. You know, on the emblem, there's a stick with a snake. What what, what is that? This week's Parsha. I promise you You can you can you can ask what is you can ask what's her name, yeah. And then you can watch tomorrow night how you ask Siri, right? Instead of doing looking it up in an encyclopedia, you can watch yourself say hi Siri like she's a real person. Like who am I talking to, right? And I I told you I ever tell you the story the the first time I heard Siri, I'm in LA. You know I have this. My my, I don't have Siri. I have Chaim. I ask Chaim, okay. But I don't have Siri. But this is a true story. I'm in this. One of my Tom car in LA. You know, LA, right? It happened to have been a two-door Corvette. And we're sitting in this two-door Corvette, the top down, I'm in LA, I'm like, this is so cool. It's like the first time I'm in LA, right? And we're gonna go drive through Hollywood Hills. He's gonna show, he's gonna show Rebby Hollywood Hills and all the expensive places, and he has this phone. I guess it was the iPhone 1, 2, I don't know, whatever. And he says, Rebbe, you know that there's something new that you can ask your phone anything. Anything. It's a true story. And it'll talk back to you. Like, really? I want to see. Let me see. Do it. So he goes, Hi. My name is Josh. Will you marry me? I promise what happened. I'm sitting there like, Huh? He's asking his phone to marry him. And Siri, at that time I didn't know her name. Maybe it's Siri because it's Jew, but whatever. Depending on who the, what kind of phone you have, says, "I don't know. Are you good looking?" I'm like, "What a what an empty phone!" That's what counts. Like, what about your midos, right? And he has this whole conversation, and he's flirting with this person in the phone, and they're talking about marriage. I'm like, this is very bad. This is why guys don't get married. Why should they get married? They, talk, they have this girl on the phone. They can talk to her all night long. And then they get into their car. And then you have that girl with the English accent in ways. Make a left. Then make a right. Then make another left. Then make another right. And then when the guy doesn't listen, it's not like your wife when you don't listen, and she's screaming at you, I told you to make a left. Why did you make a left? The girl, the English girl that's on, on Waze says, no, what's the word she uses? Recalculating. Make a right at the next stop. Like right? She's not like, I told you to make a right, why'd you make a left? No, it's like recalculating. Right. What wife says are like, Okay, just recalculating. Right? So why should these guys get married? They're never gonna get married. Right? So I'm Rabbi Wallstein. I'm like, This is cool. This is cool that you could talk to your phone and she and this lady on the other side answers I said, Ask her if God created the world. Forget this flirting business. Let's get to the Thompson's. Is this an atheist phone or is this a a religious phone? He says, Siri, did God create the world? Waiting. Waiting. I don't have the information to answer that. I'm like, you're married to an atheist after everything I did with, all all the Torah I taught you? That's who you're asking to go on a date with? it is programmed not to say Hashem created the world. And it seems to be that there was a lot of pressure put on Apple after, because they would not... and Now, it will lead It will not say he did. It will not say he did. He will lead you to sites like Esheter, whatever, that talk about the people who believe. But he will not say God created the world. So all of you, you should just know that your iPhones are atheists. So this whole, this whole thing is because we don't spend time with ourselves and we don't see ourselves and we don't look up at the snake. And we don't see that behind everything I went through and behind everything I'm going through. I'm looking up past the snake that bit me. I got poison running in my veins. I'm in pain. I'm hurt. I'm dying. I'm dying. And I'm looking at what hurt me. But as long as you're above it, I will heal. There were people in the Holocaust who saw the Yad Hashem. It sounds impossible. It's like by beaten by by bitten by a snake and looking at a copper snake and getting better. They saw. It's a hard thing to understand. They saw the Yad Hashem in the six million deaths. Rabbis killed in front of them, their beard shaved off, tzaddikim vitzitkaniyeh, children, we're not talking about bad people, we're talking about the best, the best cream of the Jewish nation. The Torah was not in America. The Torah was in Europe. What Hitler destroyed were the yeshivas in Europe, were the gedolim and the Sadiqim. And there were Jews in this Holocaust that saw that above the snake... Or Shemayim. And that's why we're here. And that's why Israel is still here. And that is, this week's parsha it is such a lesson. Hashem didn't say the snakes are going to stop biting. Hashem said if you get bit by a snake, I'm telling you what to do. I know we need therapy and you can't just get up here and tell people who go through trauma that they should just get close to Hashem because it's not going to work. Honestly, if we could really do it, it sure will work. But it's very hard to do. And therefore, yes, I'm not talking against therapy and all that, but at the end of the day, the non-Jews in addiction, the non-Jews in addiction, in all addictions, the holy book, the holy book, in every single Group that gets together, whether it's NA or AA, the Holy Book, the first or the second says, You must to heal, you must believe in a higher power. Goyim, not Jews. You must believe in a higher power. Whatever that higher power is, I call it Hashem, I call it God, whatever you want to call it, you must believe in a single higher power or you cannot heal. AA. It's not Tyra, it's not Yeshiva, it's not Rabbi Wallerstein, it's not Gedolim that wrote it, maybe Gedolim in Addiction wrote it, but in their 12 steps, you cannot heal unless above the copper snake is Hashem. I'm not saying this, they're saying it. And AA is, has a very big following. And in the medical world, the symbol of healing is the copper snake on the on the stick? That's the symbol. Comes from this. Comes from here. You go, every doctor has it. Comes from this parasha. The snake, because the, the first time in the Bible that you see healing, physical healing, actual healing, right outside of Moshe Abednego's hand from leprosy, because that was a miracle. But actual healing is the, the the copper snake. So that's what they took. So they see it. If AA sees it then NA sees it then SA sees it and OA overeating and they all see 12 steps and in those 12 steps, when they go through the 12 steps there has to be a higher power, how can we not see it? So it's not, it's not like, well, it's gonna be like, oh, you, you get close to Hashem and you got abused and everything's going to be okay. They're saying it. There's other steps. There's 11 other steps. But one of those steps is recognizing there's a higher power. Because if you don't recognize there's a higher power, you ain't getting better. Because there's no higher power, then why did this happen? Just random? Just things happen random to me? So then I'm in a lot of pain because it didn't happen to her. It happened to me. So I have bad luck. I'm living in a life of bad luck. There's no reason. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no Gilgal. There's no Tikkun. There's no reason for this. There's no reason for the shot. I went to the doctor. He just gave me a shot in the needle. Why'd you give me a shot? I don't know. I had nothing else to do today. Ooh, that shot hurts. He tell me I'm giving you a shot because I don't want you to have the measles and I just gave you a measles vaccine. Hey, thank you. Did you give me a shot? Why do you give me a shot? No, no reason. Just every eighth patient that comes, I give a shot. But I'm not sick. Doesn't matter. You're number eight. Shogun, are you crazy? Right? So if you believe in a world of randomness, and I don't believe in Hashem, and I'm an atheist, so I just, I just have some. Someone just got cancer. Someone just didn't get married. Someone just got into a car accident. Someone just died, just for no reason. That's the, that's the life they live. Yeah, random. Number eight. You're dead. Every eighth person on this highway is dead. You can't live like that. This weaves parsha. This is what, this is so important in life. Okay, we'll end with a story. So everyone knows the saying, no good deed goes unpunished. The nicer you are to someone, the worse they treat you. It's such a saying. I hope you've never experienced it. It hurts. It hurts when the people you help end up throwing stones at you. See, like, here's a, here's a cherry pit. When, when it's time to throw stones, just throw it in the pit. So, so you know, I want to tell you where this comes from. Where does this come? Everything comes from the Torah. Where does this come from? That no good deed goes unpunished. So he says he says a fantastic story here. I want to read you the story. There's another story, Mitzrasim, which I'll 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 the next year that I give we'll talk about it. But I want to read you the story. So first of all, I want to read this to you. Very important. So my says the following. Eladu, you should know. She call her a fool be day that all medicine and healing comes from Hashem. no It's not at all in the hands of a human being. Sometimes Hashem sends the refuah through a doctor. He's the messenger. That Hashem puts in his head or his heart that this is the refuah that you need. And sometimes, Hashem sends it straight, without a doctor. I have no is there. What's the difference if it's through a doctor and not a doctor? So, a doctor, who's this thing going to like? You say this over the Shabbos. A doctor has permission to heal, so it says in the Torah, and the doctor will heal you. Rapo is a pay, a pay letter. Pay has a dot. Rapo yirapo. When a human doctor heals you, is a drop of the disease that's left. When Hashem heals you, it says in the Torah, Ki ani Hashem rofecha. It's a fei. A fei has no dot. The difference between when a doctor heals you and when God heals you, when a doctor heals you, there's a dot. There's something left. When Hashem heals you. It is no doubt. when he heals you it's a total healing and we know we know in many cases where that when they do a experiments and they give half the people a placebo which is fake and a real one sometimes the people who get the placebo get healed but there's no medicine in it it's fake because they think there's medicine in it so how does that work? There's no medicine in it, and the answer is really nothing works. Nothing works. It only works because Hashem wants it to work. And aspirin takes with your headache, not because the, Hashem doesn't. Hashem is hidden. So he doesn't want to show you that He's there. It's magic. So you're taking your medicine, but there's a there's a there's a tefillah before you take your vitamins or your medicine. Any time in your life, you're supposed to say a prayer. I don't know if you know that. Well, you go to the doctor, you say. It should be the will before you, Hashem, Hashem, my God, She that this medicine, or what I'm about to do, should send me for you heal graciously, and therefore, this medicine should work, even if the medicine doesn't work, it'll work. If you believe that it's going to work, and that Hashem will make it work, it'll work. So really, it's not the doctor, and it's not the medicine, it's really your belief. And you see that that some people get healed from cancer through through uh, holistic medicine, totally healed, and some people get healed through chemo, and some people die from chemo, and some people holistic medicine doesn't help. You got to look about what's above the nachash. You got to look at Hashem. I'm not telling you that tzaddikim that died didn't look at Hashem. Sometimes there's a gzeirah in shemayim, and it's just gzeirah. All right, listen to this. He tells a story about a lion. And this is where we learn no good deed goes unpunished. To show the bubble, there was a story, we'll finish with this. There was a story with a person who was going from Israel to Bavel, to Babylon. He sat down in the grass to eat. Rosh states he saw two birds. They were fighting. And one bird killed the other bird. This one bird that killed the other bird went. And it cut off a piece of grass. And he put it on the bird's wings that died. And all of a sudden the one that died got up alive. Magic grass. Oh, this is a good way to make a lot of money. Imagine putting grass on dead people and they get up. It's amazing. When he saw this, he took from this grass and he filled up his pocket, his, his wallet, his uh, his bag that he could go back to Ech Yisroel and do esim. Ubedarko, as he's going back to Ech he's going crazy now. He has this grass that brings back people from the dead. He saw a dead lion. He said, you know what? Let me just make sure it doesn't only work on birds. Let me show it works on animals and people. He took the grass. And he put it on the lion, the dead lion. The dead lion got up. Guess what he did? For and he ate the person. No good deed goes unpunished. Don't do favors for bad people. In the end, they'll hurt you. That's what he says. So he says. We hear. We learn from this that nothing in this world was created for no reason. He also tells a fascinating story. The story from the Gemara that there was a. Uh, the first time I ever saw a scorpion, I was in Eretz Yisrael now, and I went up to the Golan Heights, and I, there was a scorpion on the road. Everybody was stopping me to look at it, crossing the road. It's a really scary-looking little thing, scorpions. And they, they bite you, you're done. So there was a scorpion, and it was on the... And these Tutsa tzaddikim were watching the scorpion, and it was standing at the edge of a, of a river. And it was standing there, all of a sudden a frog. The Gemara says the story. The frog came out of the river... And the scorpion went on top of the frog, and the frog swam across the river. And the scorpion got off the frog, and it bit a bitter person that was on the other side of the river, killed them. Got back on the frog, went across the river. And the Rabbanim were watching this. Got back on the frog, went across the river, and came back to where he came from. And they were in sh- and they and they realized that Hashem runs the world to such an extent. That a scorpion that has to go kill a person because the person was Chai misa because he did a big avera, Hashem will find a frog for the scorpion to get on the frog to get across the river to bite him and then to go back home. The Gemara says it shows you how a Baruch everything in this world He uses everything in this world. There's not a blade of grass. There's not a frog. There's not a. There's not a. Uh, there's not a uh, he brings down this another story where they were sitting by a tree and 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 the leaves were falling off the tree. And, and 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 the person said, look at the waste of the leaves. To the other person, the waste of the leaves, they, now they fell to the end of, and they're going to rot and they're going to become nothing. So he said, no, you don't understand. When they rot, they fertilize the, the ground also. He said, but I assure you that it's more than that. He said, yeah, what do you think? He says, let me go look. He takes the leaf that just fell and he lifts the leaf and there's an inchworm underneath it that the sun was drying, was killing because it, it, needed, it needed moisture. He said, even the leaf where, where it lands when it falls off the tree has a shkachah practice. We're the leaf for the and you think Hashem doesn't care about you. You do think, he has nothing to do with your life. He's just letting you be in pain and, and like for no reason, just, just doesn't care about you. There's, there's no one that cares about you more in the world, cause, cause, cause what's more precious to Hashem than what is His Torah. 22,000 years before, or life cycles before this world was created, Hashem created the Torah in order to create the, 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 to create this world. And it says Hashem was busy with the Torah the whole time. That's what he was busy with. And he gave that Torah to Kla Yisrael. How much HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves his Torah, right? And he gave us all his mitzvah. You have to be tzneers and you have to keep Shabbos and you have to eat kosher. And Hashem says, listen to me, my little girls. And listen to me, my little boys. All my Torah! Tzneers! Shabbos! Kosher! If your life is in danger, there's no Shabbos. Not only is there no Shabbos for you, but Salah can be Machal Shabbos to save you. Get into a car on Shabbos. My pet, doesn't matter. The most important thing to Hashem was the Torah, and more important than the Torah, is the people He gave the Torah. And I'm just telling this to a girl yesterday. I'm like, No, Hashem only cares if I'm a good girl and I wear my skirts long. He doesn't like me if I wear pants. He only cares if I do His mitzvahs. I'm like, you fool. You fool. He doesn't care about his mitzvahs when your life is in danger. There's no mitzvahs when your life is in danger. No mitzvahs. You want to eat pork? You need to eat pork. If a pregnant woman, pregnant woman, she she didn't give birth to the baby, in the Beit Hamidash, where a Yisrael cannot eat a carbon, says, I just smelled that meat and I feel I am having a miscarriage. I need a piece of that carbon's meat we have to give it to her. It's not her, her life that's in danger. A baby that we don't see yet. We have to save that baby. I don't, I don't understand that God says that every Jew, every person, your life is more important than my Tyra. Even the three cardinal sins of Avayda Zara, Avayda Zara and Gilea and, Royus, and, and, right? And Shri Chazdamim, you're supposed to give up your life for Hashem, but if you don't give up your life, you're not so. So if someone puts a gun to your head and says, "You're not wearing skirts anymore," from now on you're wearing pants, or you're not even wearing pants. Well, I'm going to shoot you. Terry says, "Don't wear pants. Don't. I don't want to say don't wear anything, but don't. You don't have to do, it, do whatever you have to to save your life." I the story of the girl in Morocco, who people go in Fez, who. The, the prince or the king wanted to marry her and she was very beautiful. She was a Jewish girl and he said, I'll give you anything to be my queen. And she said, absolutely not. And he said, if I don't, if you don't marry me, I will drag you through the streets of Fez until you're dead. Cause she was very beautiful and your skin will get ripped off your body until you're dead. And she said, so be it. And she took her dress because she realized that when they, when they're going to tie her to the horses, And that's how they used to kill people in a very, very terrible way. And she realized that when they tie her to the horse and the horses are going to run on the street road and she's going to be slept on the road till she's dead, that her dress is going to be pulled up. So she took hair hair pins that you put through your hair and she stuck them through her dress into her thighs so that the dress was stuck into her thighs and that's how they pulled her through, her dress never got pulled up, and she died, and they pulled her through the streets, and she's buried in Fez, and it's a very big thing if you go to Morocco, to go to her kever and daven. Did Hashem demand that from her? No. That's what she wanted to give to God. Very famous story. Anyone here know her name? Nobody ever went? Um, Google it. <laughs> but yeah, she was a big tzedekista, and she gave it up. And she gave it up, but she wasn't asked to do that. right. And she had the big cover, and men go and cry there, and people go and cry there, and they dive in there. That's what you're worried about? They're they're pulling you through the streets till you're dead by by wild horses, and you're worried that your skirt's going to run up? Because above the snake, above the suffering, everybody was the blue sky, was Hashem. And that's what she saw. And she said, in front of you, Hashem, my skirt's not running up. So she stuck needles in her thighs. That's how high you can get if you're able to see above the snake. Maybe it all be zeichet to see above the snake. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.